Hi, I'm Ann Barker. And I'm Liz James. And you're listening to The Cracked Cup. Hello and welcome to the yearly themes episode of the Cracked Cup podcast. We love a theme. (laughs) So last year at this time, maybe you should explain it because I always talk too much. Oh, all right. But I think I always talk too much too. So who knows? (laughs) We solve this by talking at the same time, which you don't know because you don't do the edit. (laughs) But I have to outweave us all the time. But then it's more like being in a room with us because we're just both talking at the same time. Yeah, but then they can't understand what we're saying. Oh, do you think that they're really trying to understand or are they just (laughs) laughing at our ridiculousness? Okay, so last year at this time, we were talking about the difference between making resolutions and setting a theme for the year. Mm -hmm. Right? Is this the thing you want me to say? Yes. Okay, good. And why is a theme better than a resolution, Anne? Well, because what's failure resolutions day? It's something like January 27th. (laughs) There's an actually psychologically proven day where most people have failed at their resolutions or given up or decided it's just not worth it. It's no fun. I'm not doing it. And it feels like punishment. It feels like I made a rule and then I punished myself and then I failed yet again. Where if you set a theme, then instead of thinking I must make this fitness goal or do this thing or achieve that thing or sell this house or whatever. You just decide what it is you want in your life and how you want to feel and how you want to be in the world. And you pick a word or a phrase that captures that. And then you just use it as a reminder that that's what you're looking for in your life. So you can check in with it, but you don't have to beat yourself with a stick. The one thing that I love about themes is... For me, anyways, they've been about learning that I can be a different kind of person than I thought. So the first year that I did theme, I did guts. And guts referred both to being brave and being very authentic. And I spent the whole year, I didn't think of myself as a brave person, but I spent the whole year acting like I was a brave person. And then at the end of the year, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm a brave person or not, but I'm certainly capable of acting like a brave person when I need to. And so my concept of myself changed. And then the next year, the theme was, I think, spark joy. That didn't go super well because that was 2020. (laughs) And whenever your eyes travel up into the ceiling and you're thinking, now, what was my theme? That tells you that one didn't stick. (laughs) You know what, though? This is why I like themes better than goals, right? Mm -hmm. So I was focusing on sparkliness and joy in my life. And then 2020 wasn't naturally filled with joy, per se. (laughs) a low sparkle year (laughs) right but then I was like okay what can I do that's sparkly within this framework so then I was like all right we're all locked down and I would wake up in the morning and say how can we create sparkliness and joy in this new framework with this lockdown day and that was incredibly valuable I should have mailed you greeting cards with glitter in them (laughs) John vetoes glitter it's his one hard limit in our relationship but he wouldn't know (laughs) yes he would that's the problem I mean until he opened it (laughs) It would be too late. The glitter would already be there. He has an indoor spear. You should watch out. Shouldn't make him angry. (laughs) Okay. I will not mail the glitter cards to John's house. I'm going to delete the part about the indoor spear. (laughs) (laughs) It's an inside joke. 
Liz from the future here, whatever about deleting about the indoor spear because it's an inside joke. I'm just going to read the Facebook post to you and then you will be on the inside as well. So this is from the very beginning of the quarantine. April 2020. Me. They're arming themselves to the teeth in the States. Hey, do you own a firearm? John. Uh Uh-huh. Me. What? I am rethinking having taken this relationship to the social isolation buddy level. I cannot be in the same house with a gun safely if the damage I do to myself with a lemon zester is any indication. Me. Do you know how to use it? Did you get it for protection when you moved to the country? Where do you keep it? John. I'm not sure where it is. Somewhere in the garage. Me. What? To be clear, John's garage is a sprawling netherworld of pile after pile of literally everything, which I used to criticize him for, but it's actually great during a pandemic. I can say, I need some sodium triphosphate and have him wander into the garage and come back with some. Or if I need, like, a laser or anything. Well, a crappy laser. He keeps the good laser in the kitchen, and I am not joking. Me. You can't just keep a gun in a random pile in your garage. What if a kid finds it? And it's of no use for protection anyways if you can't find it in an emergency. John. It's not really much use for protection anyways. It's a pellet gun. Me. You know, ironically, that is the best kind of gun to have. You can't accidentally kill a loved one with it, and lots of people could be frightened away so long as you don't actually fire and give away that it's not a real gun. John. No chance of me firing it. I don't own any pellets. I don't think I own any pellets. John disappears into the garage for a few moments and then returns with a giant spear. John. We could use this for protection. Me. This is an indoor quarantine. How are you going to use that at close range? John. Unscrews the middle and separates it into two halves. There. Now it's an indoor spear. We now return to our regularly scheduled big important big picture life theme programming. What have been some of the ones that you had? Can I tell you something funny? Yeah. They're all falling out of my brain right now. <laughs> Was your theme menopause? <laughs> yeah, my theme might have been menopause. I um I sat and thought about them all this morning. I said to Lori, now I need to make sure I have my theme ready for 1230. And then I have to remember all my old, I don't remember them. I can remember last year. That's all I've got. Did you try to write them down all morning you tried? Or, like you could no, remember no, them No, I knew earlier, what they you... were an hour ago. Oh, oh, that's unfortunate. Do you want to take a minute and think about it? No, I really don't have much hope. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, (laughs) why don't you talk about last year, Anne? (laughs) (laughs) So last year, I think I started with Create. Mm -hmm. I love creating things. It makes me feel... Wait, 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 go back. I know what your themes were, because you know what? When you were talking before, I would listen when you would explain about the themes. And I don't, okay, Okay. I don't totally remember, but I remember this story arc, because I remember they were all things that you could say that you're making progress towards a goal. But not doing them. Embraced it, or you, like, they were snoofy-ass words for not actually doing the thing. What were they? One of them was embrace, and then there was another one that was something sort of like embrace. One was engage. And then I thought last year was do the thing, but now you're saying yeah. it was create. So it started out as create, like, okay. because the thing that I want to do is create stuff. I have a big list of things I want to create. They sound a lot like resolutions. <laughs> and all of the other themes, like engage and embrace, were like to try and grab onto these ideas and really move into But I could still grab onto them in my heart and do nothing. That's <laughs> true. You can't create and do nothing. That's right. So last year I thought I need an active verb that create, do the creating. And then I decided that wasn't quite strong enough and upgraded it to just do the damn things. (laughs) 
I like that better because there were a number of things that you did that were just do the things that weren't actually creative projects. Like I think of the knees, for example, mm-hmm. which was very much a do the thing, but wouldn't have fallen under create. Exactly. That's true. And just do the thing really helped a lot with the new knees because there are a lot of exercises before and after surgery. <laughs> and you really, really need to do them. And all of the people in my life, all the nurses and doctors and physiotherapists and everybody, massage therapists would all say, be sure you do your exercises. And I would think, do you think I'm so stupid? I'm going to get new knees and I'm not going to do my exercises. And I only took it a little bit personally. And then I discovered how unpleasant the exercises are after the <laughs> surgery. And I was like, oh, that's why they're telling me to do the exercises. Because once you discover how unpleasant they are, you don't want to. You thought everyone who came before you was just lazy? Well, I just thought that they had a poor, these medical friends had a poor opinion of me, <laughs> which may or may not have been justified by my previous level of engagement with fitness models. <laughs> Anyway, it did help, right? The just do the damn things really helped with the getting through the exercises. But it also spurred me on to do creative things and to get... Tell me about some of those things. Well, you and I had talked about the service for a long time. And that's one of the things we started yeah. this year, right? We've done... Have we done three? Yes. Three services. Do you know how you know that we've done three services? Here's how you know. Because the first one was the water one. And the sticker for that is now contains 20% more holy water. And then the next one was social media is a spiritual practice. And the sticker was for that one was this is my spiritual practice on your phone. And the last one, I did not emphasize this because I was trying to be dignified, oh, was raising funds for the projects in Africa. And the sticker for that was for when thoughts and prayers are not enough, mother. <laughs> there, there was no the other. But you know how we like to say, oh, our thoughts and prayers. Well, it wasn't. It was like, here's the thing we're doing. So that's how you know that we did three services. How many places am I going to have to send you the notes that say, and then you have to bleep the word at this time? That's one of my jobs. So most religious professionals do have a liturgical uh, framework that they follow. We followed the sticker sheet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what we will talk about in January because there's no stickers. Can we talk about weeds? I think there's a sticker for weeds. Oh, there is. Actually, the sticker for the January one will be not broken just in need of theological reframing. Oh, yeah. Because the yes. January one's about bodies. Bodies. We love and bodies. All the bodies. <laughs> All the bodies. Not broken. Yay. So Liz from the future here, please see the announcements section for an update about the services. So tell me about your themes and especially this year. Okay, so I'll start with last year. So last year, my plan was systems. So like thinking less about I need to get this thing done and more about how is the system supporting what I'm doing and setting it up. Okay. And so I thought about everything from that perspective as the year went through and I discovered something really interesting. Tell us, what did you discover? <laughs> I thought about this all morning. You'd think that I'd be able to say this more articulately. See what happens? You sit yeah. down here and all the, all the intelligent <laughs> thoughts just fall out of your brain. We I've should been... not prepare. I've been so excited for this one, too, because I was like, I'm going to tell this, I'm going to tell this. Okay. okay, so I was thinking of everything from a systemic perspective. And so every area of my life, these things that I've been trying to tackle all of my life and not successfully, because I'm sort of the opposite. I just try and do the thing. <laughs> just mm -hmm. do, just do, just mm -hmm. do, and don't put things in place, which for my style of brain, you really do need some supportive things in place. In April, for example, I realized that my goal to eat healthier and not get 
heavy enough that I can't do a bunch of the things I want to do because that's the mm-hmm. genetic heritage of my family. I've all of my life muscled through calorie counting or counting points or whatever it is to try and slow this weight gain. And with a great deal of effort and a ton of food chatter, I have managed to maintain a gain of about 10 pounds a decade. So a pound a year. But I really have to muscle through to not gain more than that. It's a big effort. Yeah. I do know that when I don't eat sugar, my appetite is like that of a normal person. I hadn't revisited the science around insulin and leptin and stuff in quite some time, so I didn't understand why. But I knew experimentally from the few times in my life where there wasn't sugar in my diet for some reason or another, that my desire to eat becomes a normal person's desire to eat and my satiety point is normal. Mm -hmm. And I very slowly lose weight instead of very slowly gain weight. But more importantly, there is no food chatter. Right. Food chatter is mean. Yes. And it's exhausting and it doesn't let you do the things you want to do in your life because you're too busy doing math and I don't like math I also don't like not eating (laughs) I don't like math I don't like hunger no good so I had known for a couple of years that I was going to have to give up sugar unless I wanted to spend my whole life calculating calories I knew I didn't but I was waiting until after the quarantine was over and then someone pointed out to me that during pandemic season you can control your whole environment so that time of withdrawal I went to my family and I said, here's the deal. We are all quitting sugar. (laughs) And what you do when I can't see you is none of my business. But in your face that you present to me, we are all quitting sugar together. And they were very supportive. And so for that first few months, there was no sugar around me. So that withdrawal was so much easier. And then over the summer, I started to read a little bit more about insulin and leptin and blah, blah, blah. And I was reading this book and she's saying, you know, this is going to be really hard, the withdrawal thing. But the... For the rest of your life, you're going to have this gift that you open up every day that you've given for yourself, kicking this habit. And I thought, I already have that gift. Nice. (laughs) I, And that sort of fueled me to look at all kinds of other habits. And this year has been everywhere where there's sludge and it's really hard and I don't know how to blah, 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 blah. And I procrastinate because of this. I think, why am I procrastinating? Why is it hard to do that? So this kind Liz, who's like the flight planner, not the pilot, is like, how can we set this up to make it easy for you to be successful? So kind Liz and I will have a staff meeting and we'll set it all up just like I would for someone, one of my children that I was very compassionate with and I wanted them to succeed. And so just like in the way I convinced myself I was a person with guts by the end of the year of guts, Mm -hmm. I have now coming to realize that I'm a person with tremendous discipline. It had never occurred to me that I could be a person with discipline, but it turns out with the right supports in place, I totally am. And so it's, utterly changed how I think of myself. Do you know what that story makes me think of, though, is something that you and I have both learned maybe in different ways, is that we don't have to do all the parts of the thing. And we always tell people all the time that they need to learn to ask for help. But maybe we're not clear enough about what kind of help to ask for. Like, Mm -hmm. I would think, oh, maybe you need somebody to, you know, come in and make your supper so that you can get this horrible job done that is hard for you to do. And what you really needed was somebody else who likes doing that kind of job to do that job. And that was, that's a thing that I've had to learn in ministry as well. There are some jobs that are so hard for me to want to do. They're not necessarily hard. And I can spend a lot of time not doing them. (laughs) And it is way better (laughs) to spend a little bit of that time finding someone who can help with that. 
Yeah. I have learned to think of tasks not in terms of how long will that take, but in terms of how many units of energy will I spend on right? forcing myself to accomplish that task. Right. And some of those things take nine million and nobody said it had to be you that did it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've been able to successfully put in place is time tracking this year. I now mm. track all of my work time, which is incredibly effective because th there are things that take nine million units, but only 12 minutes. <laughs> Right. And when right. you time track, you discover that it was 9 million units in 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that helps guide you in knowing what you need to hire out. It also makes it easier to bite the bullet and just do the 12 minute thing if you know it will only take 12 minutes because you've done it right. before. Right. That's one of those things that in learning that lesson that I've been able to say to myself, wait, even no matter how worried I am about how complicated or how messy it's going to be, or I've put it off so long that now I'm not even sure I know how to do it anymore. It's always way easier to just do it than mm -hmm. it is to think about doing it. I'll talk more about that in the January podcast, though, because that's like one of my <laughs> big lessons. Do you want to talk about what's your theme for 2022? Sure. sure. My theme for 2022 is ritual. <gasps> Tell me more about that. <laughs> So um, for starters, I love ritual. It's one of the things that really appeals to be about ministry. And I mean, when we think about ritual, we think about weddings and celebrations of life and dedications or baptisms or things like that. But I think of ritual as a way broader category than that. I think of it's kind of like when you combine habits and spiritual practices. So anything that you choose to do intentionally in a meaningful repetitive fashion but it doesn't have to be like an everyday thing it's not like I have a prayer practice that I want to do every day or a meditation practice I want to do every day but the idea that the difference for me between habits and ritual is I think of it in an inspired kind of way that I want to do something because it connects with my spirit and my joy and my sense of meaning and purpose. Not just a should, a thing that I think I ought to do or that a good person would. I mean, I think I should floss every day. I'm pretty good at that now because I made a habit with my new bracelet. Wait, what? You you floss I, with your bracelet? No, I, I bought myself a new bracelet uh -huh. that I really like. It's pretty stones on, on an elastic. And I set it beside the bathroom sink when I go to bed and I'm not allowed to put it on until after I floss my teeth. <gasps> so I wanted to wear my bracelet and I couldn't wear my bracelet until I floss my teeth. Also, if I wasn't wearing my bracelet, Lori would know I hadn't flossed my teeth, <laughs> which might have been even more motivating. And she would never say anything. I would just feel the feelings attached to that. <laughs> and so Every day I would floss my teeth and put my bracelet on and feel really proud of myself. And over time, the glow of the new bracelet wore off, but I still floss my teeth every day. Because that's how habits work. That's how habits work. You're a gift for your future self. So now I am motivated to sustain it. But I don't think of that like a ritual. I think of a ritual as something that is shaping meaning at the same time as being a good idea. They're not always fun. It's not always happy. Sometimes it's a ritual around grief or loss or something like that. Anyway, I love ritual. I love creating ritual. I love working with people to create ritual. And I love bringing this alive in people's life. Can you see that my little eyes are sparkling and I'm yeah. getting all lit up? 
<laughs> so one of the things I really want to do is A, put more ritual in my life. And then the other thing is B, help other people build and create ritual in their life. And I don't think ritual belongs to the minister, right? I don't think you need oh, yeah. an officiant. I think ritual belongs to the humans. But I just love talking about it and scheming and planning and plotting. So I would love to do that with people. And I've done some of that, but not enough to make me happy. So, so what are you going to do this year? So I am going to add more intentional ritual into my life. So Lori and I often do things that coincide like with the pagan Sabbaths or with mm -hmm. the season changes or things like that because we find those inspirational and they're tied to nature and moons and cycles and things and it just feels right to us. But I also do other little rituals like at Easter, my mom and my grandma both loved Easter and they're both gone and so Easter used to be kind of sad because I would think about them not being there. And now at Easter, I write a letter to a woman I admire. Oh. And that's my little ritual for lifting up their memory because they're both people I admired for different reasons and they were really precious to me. But there are other women in my life. So it helped me heal that hole because I was realizing there are other women in my life that fill that space too in a different way. And I could reach out and I could do something nice for somebody. I just light up with the idea of rituals because a big part of my habits has been changing what would be a checklist into something that has some joy and meaning in it. Yes. So I came up with like a four minute exercise routine. I have a four minute music practice routine. And if you do four minutes consistently, you do see a difference. I can do a chin up now from this very hard four minutes of exercise. There's a number of things I wanted to be able to do that I can do now, which then motivates you to make a bigger practice. But that first step is just that tiny, putting yourself in the position where you are opening a gift from previous you, which gives you the motivation to make something for future you. Yay. So I had this little four minute exercise routine and I do it to music. So each movement has a piece in the song. So Aww. it's Thank You by Alanis Morissette. <laughs> and so you're like, swoop up <laughs> for the thank you and then swoop down, I'm making the motions. <laughs> and and so there, it's a lot of like sun salutation-y style movements, but also the chin up stuff. And if you have to do exercises anyways, try doing them to a piece of music that you find very beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it turns it into an affirmation of making your body strong and capable to carry you on all your future adventures and things. That's beautiful. Lori and I started doing this year, I think I already talked about the leaf exercise where we gathered leaves and we wrote our autumn intentions on them. Yeah. We hung them on a tree in our living room. And when we get to winter solstice, we're going to read them. And the ones that we have accomplished, we're going to crumple and give them back to the earth. And the ones that we haven't accomplished, we're going to burn them in a fire. We're going to let them go. I and love then if we so want much. to set them as a new plan, we can. But the autumn intentions get to be set free when winter solstice comes. And so part of, I don't know about you, but I tend to have these really great ideas and then not think about them again. <laughs> and so... Old me would have written on the leaves and then they would have um, got crumpled on the dresser. And then when winter solstice rolled around, I would have thought, oh, shoot, I was supposed to do something with those leaves. <laughs> and I would have read them and had a little cry and burned them all. <laughs> I wouldn't have done any of them. And so we decided we had to build in a way to make it a more ongoing ritual, not just a... it's. Mm -hmm on equinox and solstice. It's not a two-day process. So 
we each wrote one of our leaves to say, read the leaves every Tuesday. Oh, smart. Right? And for the most part, since we did the leaf ritual, we have been protecting Tuesdays as our shared day off. And every Tuesday, one of the things we do is read the leaves. And then that inspires us to say, look, look, we've done this one and we've done this one and we've done this one. And to be fair, we made some low hanging fruit in the leaf ritual (laughs) so that we were sure we could accomplish this. Like we were getting a little tired of kind of eating the same things because you get in a rut and a habit and like a boring habit and which is a rut. So, so we, um, we, I think one of my leaves was we need a new chicken recipe, mm. right? And so when you read the leaves on Tuesday morning and you think, hmm, there are a lot of leaves here I have accomplished not. <laughs> you think, ah, but I could make a new chicken recipe for supper and then I have accomplished a leaf this week. <laughs> so this has become, it was, it was kind of an accidental ritual, right? It was just yeah. a... It was just a meme on the Facebook that said this leaf ritual and we started doing it and then we wanted to protect it and then it started to nourish and nurture us and it has fed us all autumn and I'm actually like I'm trying to figure out what our winter solstice ritual will be because I am loving this so much and I want to know that we have a thing that we do. So in the, in the question of, so what am I going to do with the ritual? One, I want to build in rituals like that all year, intentionally think about what do I want? So we'll probably do four seasonal things, but then also what are the things that are really important to me that I want in my life? And how can I create a ritual around it that gets reinforced and fed and nurtured so that it nurtures us back and I will be very happy. And at the same time, start doing some work with people around the same thing. Well, now I'm a little jealous because my main partner is John, and I don't know if you've ever tried to make a ritual with an engineer, but... (laughs) I think he would be very reliable. He would be very reliable, but I'd have to. (laughs) I I think that you were just telling us that one of your partners in ritual is Alanis Morissette. I think that's pretty awesome, right? You have taken an iconic Canadian and bonded that is true she's an amazing lyricist that is exceptional i think if i were to try to talk to john about the power of ritual he would say oh okay that makes a lot of sense how about oil change could we set up a regular ritual of taking the van for the oil change i have a number of reasons why that would be a good idea and (laughs) you can say you go right ahead (laughs) well it's my van so i know (laughs) he takes his car for an oil change you don't take the van for the oil change i do take the van for the oil change Because you have John. No, because I have a teenager who drives. I'm like, you can use the car whenever you want, but it needs an oil change. Now you have to go do that. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Excellent job. Okay, so we talked about my theme for the coming year being ritual, and we do not know yours yet. Okay, so there's a story behind this. (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) Because I'm looking for a theme that will build on all this progress I've made in habits and also this thing around living more joyfully and Mm -hmm. making a life that fits me. So the story is I live in a body that has a bit of a strange shape. So my waist is too small relative to my hips to fit into normal pants. And so standard, standard pants. Sure. I think normal is reasonable. There is no normal. There is for pants. No, (laughs) I wasn't shaming my body. I'm shaming the pants. I'm shaming the normal. (laughs) 
Fine. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Pants that Anne would define as more statistically usual for people to wear. The typical fashion measurements are not <laughs> consistent with yours. Right. You have a teeny tiny waist. And I keep all of my weight on my butt where I can't see it and don't know it's there. And so my pants always fall down. I don't understand why that is. You'd think that the waist to hip ratio thing would make it so your pants fall down less. But my pants always Do you want me to explain why? No, that would be boring. I just want to be resentful. (laughs) So You need a belt. But no, because I pee (laughs) so often. And then you have to undo the belt and you have to do the belt back up. And that's the opposite of what I want in my life. Then you need your pants taken in. Right. So this is what you've been saying to me. I'm 43. We met each other. So for 20 Uh, years, Anne has been saying, just take them to a tailor. Just take them to a tailor. And I've been like, no, I'm going to learn how to sew. Let me figure out how to adjust adjust the tension on this sewing machine. (laughs) This has been 20 years we've been having this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, sewing machine tension is hard to adjust. Anyways, and I pull up my pants every... (laughs) It's not like they fall off of me. It's just Do you know if you're not using one hand to hold your pants up, you actually have two hands to do things with? But (laughs) just saying. Yeah, there's a big metaphor there. There's a big metaphor. If you're not always holding up your pants with one hand, you can do more things. I'm going to get you suspenders for Christmas. (laughs) Well, you don't have to because I took one pair of pants into the tailoring place (gasps) and... Oh my God, Anne, life is so much better when your pants fit. <laughs> How come you no. didn't tell me to do this before? <laughs> for 20 years? It's clearly, clearly for 20 years, I have had poor technique. I had no idea how much happier I would be in pants that Aww, fit. <laughs> that's so exciting. So I've been so happy with that. And so my theme for January is tailored. And I want to think about making the things fit the shape that I am rather than the shape that is typical that it was supposed to be. And so that fits for joy, too. I really want to focus on thinking about my non-work time and my joy work time as really intentional, right? So I can get off work at six. I've gotten real good at working for the full day in an effective way. I want to get off of work at six and think, what am I going to do tonight that is joyful and exciting and really me rather than, oh, I'm really tired. So it exhibits that sparkly thing and also this building on habits and thinking what actually works for me instead of what do I feel like ought to work for me. And it will help me with the structures that I need to create around how I manage information. And so when I go to write a sermon, I don't have the sermon that I just did on that handy and I can't remember where I put it and blah, 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 blah. blah. So I'm going to tailor those systems. Mm. So that is my theme. I'm very, very excited. (laughs) That is excellent i I love it you're just happy i I tailored my pants (laughs) i totally i'm gonna fix your sewing machine for you when i come at christmas no i adjusted the tensions i learned how i sewed a seam i made a blanket i made a quilt i made it out of a slightly larger quilt so i just cut it in half and hemmed one side but i'm still very proud of myself (laughs) that is so exciting i am so happy for you yes it's it makes such a difference when things fit. Yes. And I don't even mean just clothes, right? Yeah. When things fit. Like I have, as a larger person, I have often been squished into chairs that don't fit. Mm-hmm. And I will be so grumpy at the end of the day or the lunch or the something. And I won't attribute it to the chair until mm-hmm. I go somewhere where the chair fits. And I think, why aren't I grumpy today after this lunch when same thing yesterday would have been grumpy and it's like oh I didn't fit 
it matters so much to be able to get the things that are specific to you that you need. When I was a child, there was a lot of chaos going on. And Anthony has the same mental predispositions that I do, but I'll see him struggling with something and I'll say, oh, we need to set this up so it's easy for you to remember to do this. Or can I point out how this is not working for you? Or there's a trick for this. And it made me realize when I was a kid, painful things that happened. It's one thing to make it through pain. That's like a broken arm and your arm heals, assuming it's not too bad, right? And I don't think any of the things from my childhood were that bad. But the thing that was very challenging was that because there was so much chaos going on and so much orbiting of my mom's illness, there was not enough resources to notice what was going on and tailor anything to suit me. So when you combine sort of that ADHD brain that needs a little bit of accommodation with a situation where people are not capable of accommodating you, you never develop the ability to do all these things. And this is the first time I've been in enough not chaos that I've been able to set up systems that I could thrive. And so there's a combination of excitement that it turns out I am far more capable than I had imagined. And then a whole bunch of sadness for 43 years spent thinking I was just broken and could never do anything. And if I had had a way of having less chaos and Half of that is me. I could have, there, there is much more I could have done to insist on less chaos that I did not do, but I didn't okay, understand. Okay, we're just going to cancel that because <laughs> there isn't. Like when you were a little person and the whole world is hard, so it, it makes sense that the adults weren't able to help you with the accommodations that you need, but it doesn't, it, it, there's no planet on which you should have known that that was what was needed. You were a little person. I'm more mean it in young adulthood, like when I was 25, in a family of even, my own. Even once you figure out that things are hard or that you need some kind of help or something, it's still it's still a huge step from even starting to be aware of it to getting what you need. Well, my foundational skill, the thing that I'm famous for that everybody loves me for, is whatever's going on, I'll cope. I'll be fun and sunny right. and happy. It won't matter. And that skill is in direct opposition to saying, no, these are the structures that I need in order to thrive, right? Right. It might keep you housed, but it doesn't get you well. Yes, but I, it is what kept me housed, right? So for yes, so long, yes. my main well, currency I'm not undervaluing was it. sunshine. <laughs> I'm not undervaluing it. Yes. But yeah. so um, that's been a little bit of a sad process in some ways, in the same way as it's a very happy one. It's a mixed one of, one of the things I've noticed in other people and experienced in myself, and I think is what you're just talking about, is when we turn something around, when we get something that we need, that we've needed for a long time, at the same time as there can be relief and joy, there is almost always grief that follows. Mm-hmm. And it can be all in one breath, right? It's like, oh, this works. Oh, I can do anything. <laughs> oh, 43 years. I could have done anything if I just knew. Yeah. If I just had this piece of help, if I just had something. And I, I've been through that. I've had heartache and grief whenever I feel free of some burden or I feel like I've made a choice that actually fits me. Ooh, tailored. <laughs> That is the right fit for me, right? And I realize, oh, all of this time that I've been either unaware or pretending that it was good enough because I was just trying to cope and get through, 
Yep. I, I have missed out on this happiness. I have seen you actually do that same journey where you look back at parts of your life and you say, you know, I could have done better. I could have done better. I couldn't have done better. And then I've seen you realize the perils of those situations and times in your life and turn around and be like, hey, wait a second. Right. You could have done better. Right. I could. Right. I could have had right. people do better by me in addition to right. I could have done better. I've seen you make that journey. And I think this is why I'm so attached to ritual. Mm -hmm. Because ritual is the way I resolve those feelings. It's the way I take it and I say, okay, so where am I now? And what really matters? And what have I learned? And what do I want to lift up? And what do I need to let go of? What, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, I love to write. Writing is the thing that shifts stuff for me, writing with a pen. And I sit with a pen on paper and I write out my feelings. And sometimes it's, you make me so mad, you make me so mad, you make me so mad. <laughs> and sometimes it's like the story of what's going on. But I, I remove those feelings through the pen onto the paper and I put them there and then I do something with them. I shred them or I burn them or I do something. And it feels like a visceral release of that weight that I was carrying. And sometimes I have to do them repeatedly. Like not all rituals are one and done. <laughs> sometimes you have to do it six or eight or 27 times. But that to me is the way to reset. I think right? the power to... of ritual is often ones that have almost no effect at the moment that you do them. Like me with my 60 seconds every morning, half doing a chin up. There is no noticeable difference from morning to morning, but I did it for six months and now I can do a chin up. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's the power of ritual is you can create what you need in the moment. And you don't need special tools and you don't need special people. You just need <laughs> intention. This is the official blessing from Reverend Anne for whatever the thing is you feel like you need to make. That's right. But you, you need don't need special permission tools or from special clergy. People. You have uh -oh. permission from clergy I right have now. no job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think giving permission is you'll be busy for quite some time. The church's history has seen to that. <laughs> Fair enough. You've been listening to The Cracked Cup with Anne Barker and Liz James. We're so grateful to every one of you for listening. A special thank you to our Patreon supporters who literally saved the podcast this month because I decided to quit because I hated editing so much. And then Anne pointed out that through your generous support, we have enough to both pay our hosting fees and now get help with the editing. So seriously, thank you more than ever. Could not do this without you because you have no idea how much editing it takes for me in particular to sound even this rambly and incoherent. If you want to be a patron, it's only about $3 a month, you will get access to special content. Sometimes that's Zoom gatherings, sometimes it's stickers or printables. There's also a Cracked Cup Facebook group for patrons. And there's the knowledge that if it weren't for you, there would be no podcast, which I hope you file under good thing in your brain. So announcement about the services. We are taking a hiatus for a bit because I have some grant deadlines, which is sad from a services perspective, but good from a podcast perspective because what I'm working on is more podcast. Although it is different podcast, it's a behind the scenes stories from becoming a you with Anne in the early days and ministerial formation and then dumping that and online adventures. And if you wish the podcast were more frequent, this might be something that will give you a bit of a fix. I'm about halfway through this and should have more information about it next month. The Cracked Cup was produced by Liz James and Anne Wendyko and the music is by Blue Dot Sessions. And thank you so much for listening and for all of your support.